Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season will put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on... Yet another DC animated podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, I'm Colleen. And I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So each episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. That's right. And this week, guys, it's a new year. It's new Star Wars. We are crawling our way out of the Sarlacc pit to discuss the first episode of the Disney Plus series, The Book of Boba Fett, titled Mm -hmm. Chapter One, Stranger in a Strange Land. This episode was written by John Favreau and directed by Robert Rodriguez. So, Carlene, are you ready to partake of some of Sanctuary's sundry offerings? You know it! (laughs) (laughs) All right, then let's punch it and get straight into it with an episode recap. Excellent. Okay. So, freaking, I have to say, the Carrie homage was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) The hand bursting out of the sand. I was like, oh, this is so Carrie. Wow. Okay. So we start the episode and Boba Fett is in a back to tank dreaming. He remembers waking up inside the Sarlacc sometime after Return of the Jedi. We don't get a time frame. He gets some extra air from a random stormtrooper down in the Sarlacc pit with them. Who's also, we don't know how long that guy's been there either because there no. were no stormtroopers in that battle. So <laughs> there were not. Who knows how long he's been there? And he pretty much like flame throws his way out of the beast, digging up to the surface. I'm curious if this killed the Sarlacc or if it's just kind of like, eh. <laughs> I, I feel like it's more like heartburn. That thing has to be very yeah. versatile. Like yes. when you're crawling around in the de- in the sand, you're going to hit some rocks. You're going to get stabbed every once in a while. So it took probably a lot of flamethrower fluid to get out of this damn thing. True. Maybe it couldn't power his jetpack. That's why he didn't use it. Mm. Yes, probably. <laughs> like, oh, I need to use the flame to get out of there. He pretty much immediately collapses from the effort. Like our dude just goes down immediately and some jawas come across him and instead of helping him he steals armor very jawa they also probably raided the the wreckage of the the yacht yeah they took everything probably and then soon after this he is captured by tuscan raider (laughs) poor boba he's off to a bad start here the raiders take him back to their camp where he is imprisoned with a rodian Boba manages to cut his bonds and escape. And though he tries to also free the Rodian, his fellow prisoner sounds the alarm. Like Probably because he hurt the dog. Like Boba almost just like lost it in my book when I thought he killed the dog. Yeah, don't kill the dog. <laughs> he did. He like, he petted it on the head. So I was like, okay, I don't think it's dead. Yeah, it's not. And I think it's, it's the same one as later, but still yeah. like, but, like don't hurt almost the dog. off on a bad foot here. 
The Tuscans chase him into the desert night and give him a chance to fight for his freedom, which, like, good on the Tuscans, I guess, except he's exhausted and there's no way he's going to win. <laughs> Boba loses and is taken back to the camp. Yep. So back in the present time, uh, Fennec Shand wakes him up from the tank because the local leaders have gathered to pay tribute to Boba as the new crime lord. Uh, he dresses, or rather his droids dress him, and he, which I thought was actually kind of a nice little symmetry with the, uh, the Jawas stripping the armor off and then yeah. the droids put it back on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes down, he sits on his throne and he holds court. There's an Aqualish, there's a Trandoshan that pays him tribute uh, with both coin and a w- Wookiee pelts. Awkward. Um, very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, transition makes this really vague threat, like, oh, welcome mm-hmm. to Mas Espa. I kind of hope you never leave. Uh, <laughs> next up is the mayor of Mas Espa's, his major domo, who has come in the mayor's stead. He's a Twi'lek. Uh, he offers, in fact, no tribute. Sorry for the miscommunication, mm-hmm. but I'm not actually here to offer you tribute. Just the mayor's mm-hmm. welcome, and I expect you to pay me something. Boba doesn't agree. Fennec just kind of wants to kill this guy, yeah. but Boba uh, lets him leave. Uh, and before he goes, the major domo says that they can probably expect another delegation sometime in the near future. Mm-hmm. Ominous. Mm. <laughs> uh, Boba then gets pre- presented with two Gamorrean guards who did not surrender after Bib Fortuna was killed. Mm-hmm. And again, Fennec says we should kill them. And Boba says, you know what? No. They were loyal to their previous master, so now you guys can be loyal to me. So to Fennec's grin, he agrees to spare them. He does. I love that part. <laughs> Boba and Fennec go into Mos Espa, which looks like it's doing pretty damn well for itself, considering. Like, yeah, I remember we on. thought that this was that the only like candidate for this to be was Bistine, <laughs> the capital yeah. city of the planet. But no, right. it's just Mos Espa. It's Mos Espa. They're just doing well. It's different than Mos Eisley, where they're not doing well. They visit the sanctuary, which is kind of like a cantina, casino, probably a little bit of a brothel, considering the hotties that like came forward to greet them. Like, oh my god. The manager, who is a Twilight named Garza Whip, great name, Jennifer Beals, we love you, welcomes them, and Boba introduces himself as Bib Fortuna's successor. She takes the info, thanks him for the welcome, and gives him back his helmet full of credits. Like, really full of credits. Boba and Fennec leave, but are soon attacked by a band of ninja assassins. Like, damn, holy shit. They fight with the Gamorrean guards, proving themselves very capable fighters. Boba is injured pretty badly. He's electrocuted a lot and needs to return to the back to tank. (laughs) Meanwhile, Fennec chases down and takes one of the the assassins alive. Very specifically, only one. Only Very deliberately, only one. Back in the tank, Boba is dreamy again. He's taken by a Tuscan child out into the desert to dig for this kind of water-bearing fruit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Soon his fellow Rodian prisoner uh, comes across a desert monster that attacks, and this thing is freaky. Yes. Boba manages to strangle the behemoth with his chain and ultimately take its head off. (laughs) Back -hmm. at the camp, the Tuscan child is kind of taking credit for the kill. He's raising the head like, yeah, I did it! Yeah. And the the chief who can really see that nah, that that was Boba wasn't it yeah. respectfully gives Boba something to drink and the episode ends yeah that kid was like I'm amazing and the chief's like mm. <laughs> like I don't think so yeah there's no way that you did this kid sorry <laughs> oh my god so funny okay so now we're gonna go into our overall reactions I I really liked this episode 
thought, what a way to start the show. Like, heck yes, let's do this. The title popped up. I immediately thought about that Highland science fiction novel that we'll talk about a little later. It was fun to see Boba being a stranger in a strange land on two fronts in the flashback when he's with the Tuscan Raiders and in the present as the new crime lord. Like he is not where he's comfortable right now. <laughs> he's digging into something a little deeper. I love a good flashback sequence. The episode did a really good job incorporating the entire episode basically as a flashback with some insights into what's up with him and Fennec in the present. I like that Boba is a reasonable person. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were like, Boba wouldn't do this. Vader just like said he was discriminating people. I'm like, Boba has shown to be different. Like, Boba also, I mean, don't disintegrate people, but that's when he was hired to kill them. Yeah, exactly. Like he was hired to do that. <laughs> that was what he was supposed to do. Vader was just reminding him that this was not a disintegration job. <laughs> it's not like he did it to everybody. I liked that he has the physical flaws also to go along with his like psychological issues that are happening because he needs to get in that back to tank pretty fast and it seems like he needs to go into it that. a lot very curious to see what's going on there the starlight definitely left him broken but he's not like gonna back down when his survival is on the line like no he's maybe scarred up as fuck but he's still gonna try <laughs> no matter what i love me now when i loved more morrison they have great chemistry and Morrison's bringing this like deep pathos to the character who could have been very one note. Like he is one note in the original trilogy. This is something cool and different we're seeing. I love a good dog and his boy story. <laughs> so that was really cute. And the dynamic between Boba and the kid. I think that's going to be rewarding if they somehow go back to that relationship. I, I'm assuming they will. Maybe not like as in-depth, but show that they're still kind of connected. And the music, of course wonderful so good overall very wonderful well, yes what did you think i like this episode a lot it answered the questions i have kind of a, when boba fett like shows up in tatooine <laughs> during mandalorian and you're just like okay pause how did we get here yeah it answered that question <laughs> it answered that question it's great mm-hmm. and i actually kind of like that the answer like it was really cool it was really action-packed to see but the answer of how did he escape the sarlacc pit was pretty much well he did Mm-hmm. It's not like the super intricate thing. It's he woke up and he punched his way out. And then that's that. Yep. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I liked that. It doesn't, it didn't, you know, set your expectations super ridiculously high. It just answered the question, which was good. You know, no baby Yoda or Omega-esque reveal that makes yep. this another story about a, a father-son type bond. Right. No, it's about childhood trauma. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's about. <laughs> this is just about boba in the mm-hmm. present and it has the potential to be absolutely brutal which i'm yeah. really interested to see them mm-hmm. kind of make that take on it uh i think my favorite moment though in the episode was definitely fennec's parkour chase over mm-hmm. the top of the building so cool so cool it was so cool to see something like that normally the only time we get to see something cool like that it's either really really bad cgi stunt doubles like in the prequels or it's it's just animated like in the animated shows and that's cool but to see it in live action is really really interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yeah the knife dodge pushing that one dude (laughs) off the roof was really cool i think the only kind of lower part for me was a little bit during that second flashback that the the time in the camp does seem to drag a little which considering the episode was directed by robert rodriguez i was really surprised that he is a very very tight action-packed thing Mm -hmm. and i would have thought he could have potentially 
tighten that up by like a minute or so and then use right. that time better elsewhere. But yeah, overall, less holes digging. <laughs> yeah. Overall, it was a really, really strong start to the series. I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it, it's good that it's building a little bit slower. That's probably going to mean that that, fi- that, that yeah. final climax crescendo is going to be epic. Right. I've seen a lot of online discourse around the flashbacks. Again, some of them slowing the pacing down too much. And it seems that a lot of people seem to have been kind of meh on the series so far. Well, I say on the series so far, it's on the one episode. (laughs) Exactly. Like, come on, y'all. It's one episode. Let's give it a chance. (laughs) Yeah. And I can can see the criticism. I absolutely Mm -hmm. think that a lot of most of it's completely valid. But especially on that second watch, I really think they did an excellent job with the pacing in this. I agree. I think it's very well constructed. Uh, Another thing I saw online, which was very interesting, were about Boba being too, quote unquote, woke. And I I was like, what? He's collecting protection money as a gangster. What's woke woke about this? I'm like, I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. And plus, he showed that he is kind of a different person in The Mandalorian. Like he was taking his life in a different direction, like helping people. He didn't have to help Mando. I mean, I like that part. I was like, okay, Boba's doing something different. He's still trying to gain power. He's probably willing to do some torturing to get it, which we will probably see. He specifically said he doesn't torture. That's fair. I mean, he might he might torture this guy a little bit who tried to kill him. (laughs) Or he'll let Fennec do it. (laughs) That'd be great. But we but we don't have a lot of info on Boba as a character besides Legends novels, which yes, there are a lot of those but they might be taking him in a different direction. Maybe, maybe it's more like Clone Wars era teen Boba where he was a little bit soft. Like I remember the episode with him and Ventress when they were secretly kidnapping that girl. And when he found out who it was, he was like, oh, this is probably not good. Like this is icky. We should not be doing this. Yeah. So maybe we're getting more of like young Boba coming out. Yeah, we've never... We've only ever seen Boba, in terms of actually having a personality, we've only ever seen that in his kind of whiny teenage years. Mm-hmm. The Boba that we saw in the original trilogy has, what, 10 minutes total screen time across two movies, and he doesn't yeah. do, he doesn't say or do much. He's just a hired gun that looked cool. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> like, he's, yeah. There is something in Legends about Leia being, like, offered to him, and Boba, who is a king of consent says no he's like it's not you're not supposed to do that if they don't want to and i was like yay <laughs> get it boba especially yes. if you're played by tamar morrison who is someone else was like boba is short i'm like who cares tamar morrison is a short thick king let us get <laughs> all of that i do not care and How he's 60 he? everyone he's 60 I yeah he's 60 so let's give him a little bit. he's looking pretty damn strong for 60 <laughs> really good i'm not mad not mad at all (laughs) all right well with that let us move into the next part of our episode this is our homages easter eggs connections callbacks and there are a lot lot (laughs) as they connect to not only star wars but other stuff and Mm -hmm. whatever so i'm going to start us off uh, you mentioned this before the title stranger in a strange land this is actually a bible verse uh, originally from exodus 222 which is spoken mm-hmm. by moses i think the general consensus is about him there he's naming his son and he says for i have been a stranger in a strange land that's also you know he his time in egypt but also i'm guessing when he first kind of came 
out of Egypt and was a stranger to Zipporah's mm -hmm. village. Yeah. I don't know. My only actual knowledge of the Moses story comes from the Rugrats, Prince of Egypt, and the Ten Commandments movies. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I love uh, the Prince of Egypt, by the way. Everyone watched that. It's, so it's a fantastic good. movie. I'm not religious <laughs> at all, but that movie's fantastic. Really <laughs> all right. Um, then in 1961, Robert Heinlein uh, used it as the title of his sci-fi novel about a Martian-born man coming to Earth. Mm -hmm. um, and then personally, I always knew this as a Billy Joel lyric, <laughs> but I don't think this episode has anything to do with Dylan, Berlin, or the Bay of Pigs invasion. So, <laughs> Although Boba did start a fire in the Sonic's stomach. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Good, otherwise he wouldn't have escaped. <laughs> Speaking of injuries from that escape, there is the back to tank. This was first seen in Emperor Strikes Back when Luke gets taken out by the Wampa. Then we also see Vader use one in Rogue One. Bacta is a universal kind of cure-all drug that can heal almost anything. This is the first tank that isn't standing up though. It's more like a freaking like tanning bed. Bacta tank hybrid. Still looks great. So the tech has progressed a little bit. By the time we get to The Last Jedi, Finn has one that's pretty much just a suit that's around his body, which is used to a hilarious effect. That one, honestly, always, there's a scene in there's an episode of the simpsons where millhouse gets cast in a movie and his parents like mm -hmm. spend all of his money and his mom's wearing a jacuzzi suit and that's yes. always what Finn reminded me of. yes yes you said that this also reminded you of something yes in the notes the uh yes so the lying down the oh i've been injured get me back to the back to tank it actually mm -hmm. reminded me a lot of the gold sarcophagus in the stargate franchise mm -hmm. uh, which serve a similar healing function they can actually even revive the dead um, and it's how they go all, yeah, it's how they don't have the liquid. It's just with kind of light, but it's how the uh, go all uh, convince their followers that they're immortal gods <laughs> is by mm -hmm. staying alive and living forever by doing regular trips to the sarcophagus. They look and, good. Yeah. <laughs> but on this note, Colleen, a question for mm -hmm. you. What do we think about Boba's use of the back to tank? Does he have to use mm -hmm. this like regularly like Vader now? I think he might. I think this is like he needs rejuvenation. I don't know how long he was in the Sarlacc pit, but he seems fairly injured and scarred up from that still. Yeah, and, this and is... he was out in the sun for a really long time, so his skin regime needs a little work. <laughs> so he's in the back to tank trying to help out his, his complexion. <laughs> but he he said he they needed to get him in there like immediately, so he knows yeah. that he needs it. Yeah, how much long-term damage is that time? Because he was, mm. it, from the time he punches his way out to the Sarlacc pit to now is almost five years-ish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we don't know how long he was in there. We don't know how long he spent with the Tuscans or whatnot, or right. if he's had access to a back to tank between any of that period. But mm -hmm. it's probably that long-term damage, yeah. that stomach acid that made him pure white on the Ooh. way out. Yeah, poor baby. All right. Well, during the flashbacks, uh, we also get a quick shot of Camino mm -hmm. um, before it was completely destroyed in the Bad Batch with a nice little uh, park slave one. So Boba's homeworld, he was born there and his trusty mm -hmm. RV parked out front. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that part got me more than I expected. Yeah. Especially after watching the Bad Batch, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> trauma. We're going to go for trauma. Oh, speaking of trauma, the attack of the clones arena. Here we go. Just when you thought that you wouldn't feel bad for Boba Fett. <laughs> you see him holding his father's severed head. 
oh, we hate you, Mace Windu. <laughs> it's pretty interesting that they reshot this scene from a different angle instead of just using the archive footage. Yeah, I'm wondering okay. if they did that with the, with the Camino too. I, th- I wonder if they like mm. repurposed and like upped some, maybe some Bad Batch footage and Possibly. to stick Slave One in there and do some mm-hmm. other stuff. Yeah. Mm. Uh, next up, we have the opening of this episode when he does escape, and that <laughs> G- Boba Fett's gauntlet punches through the sands of Tatooine. We have, <laughs> I am considering it definite that that is a reference to one of the greatest improvised rants ever. So this is the episode of Parks and Recreation. It's in season five. Patton Oswald's character is staging a citizen filibuster at a city council meeting, and they just mm-hmm. tell him to kind of go talk about whatever. And mm-hmm. so he does an eight-minute rant about what he would want the plot of The Force Awakens to be. This is a couple of years before that the movie came out, and it's mm-hmm. incredible. So good. It, it brings in the multiverse. He even predicts uh Chewie is dead but not dead part of yes. rise of skywalker and mm-hmm. it starts with he describes this exact scene like we pan down the suns and the gauntlet punches yes. through the sand oh, if man. you have never seen this please please look it up on youtube it's incredible it's wonderful Patton oswald is a gem and this should be savored forever i remember watching that episode with my mom very recently and she's like is this a star thing and i was like <laughs> what do you mean and she's like you know war track one of the because she's not nerdy at all and i'm like yes mom this is a star wars thing <laughs> she's like okay <laughs> okay next we have the sarlacc or beastie beastie from this episode including jabba's barge <laughs> wreckage in the background one of the central set pieces of return of the jedi the wreckage of jabba's barge is still there in the sand when Jab- when boba gets out really cool to see that it's still there like maybe the jabba's have picked it over a little bit but Maybe they were coming to do it, and that's mm-hmm. why they found him. So mm-hmm. if he wasn't in there for that long at all, just long enough, the fires burned out. But mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking of which, we had the the job was take the armor. Now this is referenced um, in the Mandalorian, and we know and the aftermath trilogy because we know that Cobb Vanth eventually gets Boba's armor from the Jawa. Mm-hmm. So we actually get the scene here. And again, I kind of like that it just kind of happened. Like they yep. found him almost passed out. They stole the armor. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, he couldn't really fight back. <laughs> it's like, sorry, my, my dude. Mm-hmm. Next, we have the Tuscans riding in single file to hide the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben Kenobi knows some things. Yes. <laughs> And then we also have the, these water fruits. The, we've seen these before. We never really knew what they were or how the Tuscans get them, like if they're planting them or if they're just like kind of going to where they know they grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Din and Cobb Vanth are offered these when they go to tus- talk to the Tuscans back in the Marshall. Cobb is kind of rude about it, but <laughs> <laughs> but Din at least accepts that. He's like, yes. Yeah, they're kind of like, why are you friends with the Tuscans? <laughs> Din's like, they were here first. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So good. We do. We stand for Denjar in here, too. Next, we have the Rodian prisoner. What a dick. <laughs> this is the first live-action red-skinned Rodian voiced by none other than my first husband, Sam Witwer. <laughs> like, okay, yay. I was going to ask you about this. Is this confirmed? Or is this like when we thought we saw him in the Marshall? I think this is confirmed. Our okay. frequent listener slash Star Wars fanatic Jason Zamberki is the one that pointed it out to me. 
I was like, yeah, that tracks. Okay. <laughs> the voice of this guy. <laughs> Next up, we've talked about the dog, the Tuscan dog. Uh, mm. The species is a massive. We've seen these guys in Attack of the Clones when Anakin mm. slaughters them. <laughs> Not just the men, but the women, the children, and the dogs. And the dogs. Rude. <laughs> uh, we've also seen them in The Mandalorian when we've seen the Tuscans. Mm-hmm. And Din was much nicer to the dogs. <laughs> Always. So nice to the dogs. Next, we have that Tuscan weapon. This is the long staff, most likely a gaffy stick that Boba is beaten with in his desert duel. It's some sort of staff that, that he wields in the Mandalorian. So it's like, okay, so here's his connection to the Tuscans, Tuscan weaponry from Mando when he has the same thing. When they're on Tython in the Mandalorian, that's when him and Fennec just kind of show up, thankfully. Go crazy on the Stormtroopers. Oh my God, yes, it's so good. So, so good. Next, we have the Aqualish. This is the first alien to pay tribute to the new crime lord. He's a species we've seen mostly as bad guys. So I'm assuming this guy probably isn't very good news. Either. Probably not. It's like, no. No. <laughs> Next, we have that Trandoshan uh, with the Wookiee pill. I'm pretty sure this is still a new Trandoshan character, even though Boba makes reference to the idea that he used to work for him. But I don't think that's actually been in any canon stories. Um, the, Trandosh- the Trandoshans have a pretty long history of a rivalry, I say rivalry, of hating the Wookiees. Um, they would often capture them and hunt them for sport. Uh, Chewbacca found himself on the wrong end of that once, but luckily Ahsoka helped him escape. Chewbacca just can't catch a break, man. Like He, is he just, really can't. <laughs> he really can't. <laughs> we have never seen Chewbacca just like home and happy, except in the holiday special. Sorry, Flo. <laughs> Chewie deserves to be happy. <laughs> we don't need to kill off Chewie. All right, next, we really need a protocol droid. <laughs> That's right. You finally recognize how important C-3PO is. Seriously, they really Put some respect one. on his name. Right? They, they can't even understand what the Aqualish is saying. Like, this is not good. Like, you need to have a translator. <laughs> yes. Inept crime lords. Yes, yeah. I love it. I'm here for it. Now, they may not have a protocol droid, but they do have a torture droid. That is right. <laughs> 8D8. The droid that they do have is voiced by what we do in the shadows is Matt Berry. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's him. Yeah, so good. Um, and he is the first, the, the droid we first saw back in Return of the Jedi, uh, torturing a gonk droid by like heating its feet which yeah. was when we realized that droids can actually feel pain, which is yeah. a whole other level of weird. Uh. <laughs> but you know what? He's just trying to do what he's programmed for. That's fair. And he's not a protocol droid, so he's not helpful in that aspect. <laughs> Next, we have the term daimyo. The visiting, like, I guess we can call them dignitaries, <laughs> I guess. Refer to Boba as the new daimyo. Yeah, dignitary. <laughs> Later, Boba refers to Jabba's many vassals. These are both terms from feudal Japan. Hey, we covered this when we did our visions. Yes, we did. (laughs) A daimyo was a lord who was a vassal of the shogun. During most of the time from the 10th through the 19th century, daimyos ruled most of Japan. So Boba's trying to be a big shit, man. He's trying to be a big shit, but I'm actually curious when I realized that the daimyo was actually a vassal of the shogun. Who is the shogun in this equation? Because mm, I feel like it was it. I feel like it was Jabba. Right. Unless he was like technically a vassal of, of the rest somebody else. Of the huts, maybe. Like he's kind of the ambassador for the hut council, maybe in that sector. 
that would be the only thing. Like if there was a high ruler of the huts, although they seem to be more of a ruling council. They were, but then Monk killed them all. <laughs> Shh, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. So maybe they like reorganize and have a central ruler. Maybe. So we'll see. Maybe. All right. Next, we have the city of Mas Espa. It's the home city of Anakin Skywalker. We saw this mm-hmm. for the first time on screen back in Phantom Menace. And like we said, it seems to be doing much better now. Or mm-hmm. we just never really got the wide view of the city proper in the movie. Maybe they were just kind of out. Watto was just kind of out in the suburbs. Yeah. Could be. Or in the slum section. You never know. Something tells me he didn't want to spring for a, uh, a high rent place. Right. <laughs> um, the design that they used for the show with that kind of like in the crater with the surrounding plateaus was actually the based on the original concept art from the phantom menace and i feel bad i didn't note the guy but i think it is actually the uh the designer who did it was one of the original production designers Mm. from that movie so he was kind of using his own original ideas excellent i love that i like that they just go from established things so it still looks right for the universe Next, we have the Twi'leks. I love Twi'leks. <laughs> Several of these aliens appear here, including Jennifer Beals as Garces Whip, as we mentioned before, and Veep's Barry Lowen as the mayor's majordomo. <laughs> doing great work. <laughs> he was doing great. Was I do great. have a question about this. So I've seen some chatter online, Colleen. Have you seen anything about the uh, the Twi'lek genders and the ears that they've right. had with this episode? I would the... have to look again because usually they the females have like those cones. So the females tend to have the cones and mm-hmm. the men tend to have actual physical ears. ears. But yeah. the what appears to be the the male servant looks like his headdress is covering up like it's covering the cones. Mm-hmm. And then um Garza Flip, you know, her ears are covered. Mm-hmm. but it, they don't look like they're protruding that much. So maybe she actually right. has real ears under there. My guess is it's just a makeup choice, but. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but hey, if that us. makes people can can claim like in-universe. Um, they could be trans- hybrids too. Hybrids or transgendered uh, Twi'leks. Power mm-hmm. to you, go for it. No kidding, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's plenty of explanations for it. Not everyone is the same. I mean, not every human ear is the same <laughs> stands to reason that the Twi'leks might have a few people who are different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next up, uh, Fennec makes the reference to Jabba's menagerie, which implies Mm -hmm. that the Rancor was not alone Mm -hmm. down in that pit, Mm -hmm. or at least that it was only one of many. Just how big is this palace? Like, the throne room itself (laughs) doesn't look too big. Right. (laughs) I'm guessing he had, like, an underground just, like, chamber full of creatures. Yeah. And we do know he potentially had more than one Rancor, right? Because we had Mm -hmm. a... Moochie. <laughs> Moochie. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Moochie got away. All right. Next, we have the Camorians. These guys look great. <laughs> Java's former guards have been seen since Return of the Jedi. We also saw them in the ring in the first episode of Mando season two. Originally, they were a lot of armor because Lucas couldn't get the makeup effects just right for them to have the bare chest that they have in the show. These guys look thick. Like, these guys are great. These guys were great. And they were, they proved themselves loyal and they proved themselves strong. Mm -hmm. This is really the first time we've seen them win a fight that wasn't Mm -hmm. with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they actually seem to like move better. So maybe these are like the more elite of them. Mm -hmm. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Next up, so we had the uh, we had the Tuscan dogs, but now we have droid dogs. Yay! <laughs> so this is not an actual Star Wars connection, but in the streets of Mas Espa, you see these four-legged robot dogs um, that actually are 
um, straight from Boston Dynamics, their spot model robot. Uh, you've probably seen these. They they look like robot dogs, and they're um, I think they're starting to potentially be used for some like defense and like bomb smithing things. Mm. I think Boston Dynamics did tweet like, "Yes, one of our one of our spots is actually in Star Wars now." Hashtag Book of Boba Fett. So those are actual (laughs) robots. Yeah, great. But I say again, I'm pretty sure we've also seen a Black Mirror episode where these dogs had guns mounted on them and took over the world. So let's not go crazy. Mm. Yeah, that was not. mm. (laughs) The instant you said that, I was like, but what about Black Mirror? Yeah, Black Mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not awaken these dogs that much, please. Next, we have Max Rebo and Abith playing the cantina theme. Great. Apparently, Max made it off the barge in time. Well done, sir. He's a survivor. <laughs> now, the Bith never gets a name, but Colleen, do you think, is he a member of the modal nodes? Probably. I would guess. <laughs> Although their, their contract was with Jabba, so I'm sure most of them left. So mm-hmm. this might might be one that like just either didn't want to leave or couldn't, maybe. <laughs> Can be. Uh, next up, also in Sanctuary, we have a droid server rolling around that astromech, just like R2D2 uh, mm-hmm. did when he was on Jabba's yacht. Uh, he's equipped with that serving tray over the top and looks like what I'm assuming are Tatooine's Bloody Marys. Looks great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although on Tatooine, it's probably real blood, so maybe. <laughs> maybe <not>. <laughs> <laughs> More droids. There were a lot of droids in this episode. I really enjoyed that. We have the Droid Dealer. This is the RX series droid dealing cards at Sanctuary. It was first seen in Disney Galaxy's Edge Star Tours. Yay! <laughs> I think we've also yeah. seen him on Rebels as a, uh, a, dealer. a shuttle pilot. Oh, yeah, the shuttle pilot. Yeah. The shuttle pilot, yeah. yeah. Poor buddy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, uh, so Mas Espa seems to be doing really well. They see, are taking more currencies. Back in the Phantom Menace, Wada said Republic credits are no good. But oh, good. here... Uh, 40 some odd years later, they apparently are because those are the types of credits that get put into Boba's helmet by, mm-hmm. by the Twilight Set Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Did have someone online pose an interesting question. Why didn't the Jawas just grab the helmet and take all the coins that way instead of just taking the coins? And the only thing I could come up with was they know who Boba is now and they know he'll track them down for the helmet. Probably. Whereas with the coins, they're like, we can just take the money and he won't try and follow Also, us I mean, the coins were kind of spilled out anyway, so you got, you're mm-hmm. going to have to be picking those up. May as well right. just... Like, he could, they could have scraped him back into the helmet, but it's like, no, I think they know who he is now and are not. Mm-hmm. Like, Bubba was too hurt before to try and find them. But this time, mm. <laughs> they're like, oh <laughs> shit, no, he took over for Java, we better not take his shit this time. The money, that's okay. <laughs> Next, we have no disintegrations. <laughs> Vader didn't want Boba to disintegrate Han Solo, but that assassin here had no such luck. Whoopsies. Maybe this is more of like blowing him up and <laughs> disintegrating him, but still none of him is left for us to examine. Like, holy shit, Boba just blew his ass up. He did tell Fennec, though, not to kill all of the ninjas that she was pursuing. <laughs> Maybe that's like his version of no disintegrations is like alive. Alive. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we see that uh, that moisture farm uh, that the Tuscans and he are observing that's being kind of overrun by the biker gang that I'm assuming we're going to see later. 
yeah they sent some shots from the trailers yeah painting that sigil i was like that's way too like in focus for us not to be paying attention to yeah but the farm itself looks like it was pretty much set up exactly like the lars farm you had that one small hut that led to the underground it looked like it had the canyon Mm -hmm. um and then the water coming out of the moisture evaporators which actually i kind of appreciated seeing that like it shows you the actual purpose of these farms like we've heard the term moisture farming and it's like what the fuck is that (laughs) well i'm guessing that the tuscan raider kid took them to that area because he knew water was nearby so that the bulbs would grow there probably he's like but we're not gonna help that guy (laughs) no and also this isn't a this isn't a direct connection but Mm -hmm. so the moisture farm there being kind of raided by the gang the general look and feel and the attitudes of these tuscan did remind me some of the the tuscans that we meet in the kenobi novel the legends novel Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but considering that's legends the considering that's legends and you know we don't really know anything for sure not really a direct connection but they did get throw some vibes there Mm -hmm. we might see it on the kenobi show could be we could see it Next, yay, I did love this callback. The chain choke, just like what happened to Jabba with Leia the Hut Slayer. Taking a cue from Leia herself, Boba uses his slave chains to choke the life out of the behemoth in the desert. Great callback. I was like, yes, he was paying attention. <laughs> Even though I think by that time he was probably in the Sarlacc pit. But he still. was in the Sarlacc pit or he was off on one of the things, but it's all right. It's all right. Everything's fine. <laughs> And then lastly, so that behemoth is a completely new creature, but the design mm-hmm. does look several, similar to several other sci-fi creations. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of had that like claymation type feel that you might have seen yes. in the original Clash of the Titans or the mm-hmm. four-armed dude in Mortal Kombat. I'm not sure what his name is mm-hmm. or something off of um, John Carter of Mars. Mm-hmm. Very, very Ray Harryhausen in design. Yeah, I, I immediately was like, oh, yes, like Jason the Argonauts. Clash of the Titans. This is some claymation shit they got going on. Loved it. Yes. All right. Well, then moving on after that one, finally. Moving we're on. not sorry. No, we're not sorry at all. Like, I don't know why I'm apologizing. We're not sorry. <laughs> all right. We're going to get into our questions, predictions. Uh, we're going to go through questions we have coming out of the episode. What we think is going to happen next. What do we want to happen next? Mm-hmm. So I'm start. One of my questions coming out of this is how good was Bib Fortuna at running this little empire? Like he seemed to be just kind of sitting back and enjoying the spoils uh, mm-hmm. at the end of Mandalorian. And Boba had a huge reputation as a bounty hunter. Everyone kind of knew who he was. Right. But a lot of these people don't really seem to be taking him that seriously. Like sure, they brought him. They had some people brought him some tribute, but they right. were like really testing like the, the waters. Muscle. And if like. Bib ran that rep just into the ground with how mm-hmm. strong this organization is. I'm really curious to know if we're going to get more of that. Mm-hmm. In terms of what I want to happen next, so here's where I address my issues with the flashbacks. <laughs> I don't really have that many, like, let's be clear. Yeah. But given that we only have seven episodes total this mm-hmm. season, I would like to be done now with the flashbacks. Like, I, I'm happy to just accept on its face that he spent five years or so with the Tuscans. They taught mm-hmm. him. He learned. Then he saw Fennec out in the desert, decided to save her. He saw Cobb with the armor and left the Tuscans. Mm-hmm. And we can explain all of that in a nice little, like, one minute or less montage. So yeah. 
this first episode did flashbacks very, very well, and I'm happy with it. But again, I'm really much more interested in the story in the present. I'm more interested in this crime lord mm-hmm. story than I am with what he was doing out in the desert. A show is shows are very capable. I know I'm not too big on dual narratives, but plenty of shows are capable of doing it very well. Mm-hmm. Thinking Lost, the first five mm-hmm. seasons of Arrow did mm-hmm. that very, very well with the flashback timelines almost like 50 50 yeah but they had 20 to 22 episodes a season to really give both of those narratives a lot of room to breathe we're yes. in a very very constrained time here so yep. if we're gonna keep getting the story of his time before we saw him in mandalorian i think i would actually like to have just episode three or episode five be like a hundred percent flashback we get the full story paced together yeah and then we're done and can move on. I agree. I'd like that. In terms of predictions, I'm predicting a big showdown at the end of the season. I'm not sure what exactly it's going to be, but I'm going to just throw it out there that he is on the verge of consolidating all of his power, but he's outnumbered whoever his opponent is, whether it's the mayor, whoever is, you know, fighting back and seems to have the numbers, but then Mm -hmm. Over the hill, over the sand dunes, we get the Tuscans coming in, pulling like a charge of the Rohirrim. His secret <laughs> His allies. Secret weapon. And mm-hmm. they come in. That would be amazing. I'm here um, for it. Banthas. <laughs> Banthas as far as the eye can see. Yes. <laughs> if he consolidates all the Tuscan tribes, holy shit, that would be yeah. something. So that, that's a prediction. Uh, and then just given the title of these episodes, and for some reason I never connected in my mind the idea of the book of Boba Fett. I'm going to predict actually that every episode title will be a Bible reference. Either that or a book title reference of some sort. Yeah. But the the Bible definitely, this seems to be like we're compiling a book. Exactly. Uh, And then my one other question I had coming out of this, Colleen, so the red uniforms on those assassins, Mm. is it possible that we're going to see some Crimson Dawn? I mean, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> yeah, I would love I'd, to. I'd love to see Amelia Clark show up. That would be fantastic. Um, I don't think those guys are Crimson Dawn. They might be. I saw a reference to who they might be online after the episode aired, and I cannot remember for the life of me what the person said they were. I was unfamiliar with it. And then, of course, I forgot to look it up because, yeah, New Year's, holidays, everything was just a pile of crap. Yep. <sighs> but Crimson Dawn would be really cool. Or Black Sun. Or the okay. huts to see like what has happened to the crime syndicates during this time. If the mm-hmm. new Republic has cracked down on them at all, what they're all out there doing. Yes, please give us Kira. <laughs> so, good. <laughs> so good, especially with like the War of the Bonnie Hunters comics being out and being really popular and really good. I would mm-hmm. love to see this come back. All right, for me. Uh, that New York Times article, you guys, they, they wrote, this guy wrote a review about the first episode. I laughed my entire way through it because I don't think he really understood Star Wars. That Is this well. the one where the, the title was like, it's a failure on every level? I, I don't know. I don't think the title was, it's a failure on every okay. level. He did say that Mandalorians were more interesting with their helmets on, which was a reference to Din Djarin in The Mandalorian. I really had no idea what to say to that, except let Tamara Morrison show his beautiful face and shine. <laughs> Just like set him free. <laughs> this is, 
he's fine. Din is part of like this weird sect of Mandalorians that leave their helmets on. And freaking Boba isn't like most regular Mandalorians either. And he is a Mandalorian. Let's just put that out there because there are other people on the webs saying he's not. And it's like, no, Django was like an adopted Mandalorian. So he He's a foundling. He's a foundling. He is a foundling. He is a Mandalorian. And therefore, Boba would also be considered a Mandalorian, even if he's a clone. And Bo-Katan can say he's not and that he's a clone all she wants. (laughs) But technically, he still is. I am really excited to see if we go into that at all. If we get any more Mandalorians. I don't necessarily need them. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe a a cameo here or there would be cool. But I want to see Boba try and survive on his own. And see if the show can survive without any like gratuitous cameos. Maybe like a hint of someone here or there would be fun, but nothing too extreme. I'd rather they stay with Boba and with Fennec and develop their relationship. I love Mina Wen. She can do no wrong. Absolutely. She has that like quiet swagger and every like look she gives Boba is just full of mild annoyance. <laughs> It's so perfect. The relationship is great. And Bo was just like, yep, we're just rolling with it. This is great. <laughs> I I think they might try and throw in a storyline where we're going to think that her trust in Boba would waver. I don't think it will. It might be more like a, a ruse for her to like draw on some of his enemies and be like, oh yeah, we could totally take down Boba and then be like, no, fuck you. We're going mm-hmm. to take you out instead. I can see that happening. Um. I just, I'm really excited to see whether this mix between The Godfather and Star Wars can work. I think Robert Rodriguez has a good handle on the character and the action. Like his action sequences are excellent. So I can't see how this could possibly go wrong. I think given that they have as many episodes as they do, I wish there were more. Kind of like Hawkeye. I really thought there should be more episodes of that. Yeah, I could have used one more in Hawkeye. At least one more, but I think here they're going to have enough to tell the story they want to tell and maybe have it connect with the Mandalorian. We'll see there as well, whether that happens. I don't know. We're already not getting a connection. I remember it was le- it was supposedly leaked like a while back mm. uh, with the episode titles. Um, so far, it is not matching up with that, so I think we can safely assume that it's not happening, but the leak was that they were actually going to start on, like, chapter 9 or whatever, like, the idea being that we're picking up from the end of mm-hmm. Mando yeah, season 2. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, nope, we're, we're chapter 1. Chapter 1. In the book of Boba Fett. In the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Anything else you want to see out of this? Oh, not that I can think of. I want to see more of the Twi'leks. Like, I love Jennifer Beals. She looks fucking fantastic. I really <laughs> hope she, so I really good. hope she's like a recurring, that she wasn't a one-off. Right. Yeah. Same. She really I want awesome. to see more of Tatooine. I know it feels like we've seen a lot of Tatooine, but we haven't seen this part. We haven't seen like a city thriving mm-hmm. and we haven't seen how the underworld actually works. So I'm excited to see that part of it, even though this is like, a dusty planet on the edge of the outer rim there's still like a vibrant city and the tuscans are a vibrant culture like i wouldn't mind seeing more of the tuscans if it were like present day him interacting with them mm-hmm. and seeing how they kind of are like mandalorians they have foundlings because they i pretty much think they would welcome boba i think they camp. do yeah that's 
we're not really sure what's under there. Like I said, in the Kenobi novel, they do take at least one person in willingly or mm-hmm. unwillingly and mm-hmm. put them and put the uh, the garb on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it would be, yeah, that would be interesting to see. So now I guess he's a Mandalorian and a Tuscan. <laughs> Bridging the cultures. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us today. So thank you everybody for joining us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts. Uh, hit that hit that follow button. You can check out our previous episodes on the Star Wars films, Star Wars Visions. Uh, check out all the offerings from the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast. Mm-hmm. And then you can find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. And join us next time when we will take a look at the next chapter in the Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Until then, keep your Gamorreans washed and clean and make <laughs> sure to stand on your own two feet. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>